you can definitely tell that I'm not a robot because of my uh, very natural sounding voice, my natural um, <laughs> natural pauses, and <laughs> and uh, the the little laughs and the little waiting and the stutters and stuff like that. They all indicate to you clearly that I am not a robot. <laughs> Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. First topic. Hidden treasures. Skip that one. We're going to the next one. Skip that. Okay, we don't even want to talk about... Do you want to give a Viking funeral to it? Uh, Yes. How do we do that in (laughs) audio? We burn it to a disc. (laughs) Okay. Uh, One of the listeners. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to... Go through all of the episodes with hidden treasures in it, compile them into one audio file, burn it to a disc, and we will call that good. I'm going to trust you, and I'm not going to verify that it's been done. If you have done it, though, please tweet at me about it, because that would be great. Anyways, though, hidden treasures was that first year of school thing, and Steven's first year of school is all over now, so... Uh, maybe we'll have other things we find cool, but not that structure of hidden treasures. Zach, I gotta say, uh, mm-hmm. just getting rid of something, it feels really good. Hidden treasures, I'm glad to be rid of it. Um, but also, throwing away a huge binder of paper notes when a class or a project is finished, it just feels really, really good. Yes. He says with all digital notes, but I believe you. I heavily recommend you print off all your notes and throw them away (laughs) or shred them or whatever you gotta do because it feels really good. But sometimes when you're taking notes on a class, you're going to take the next iteration of that class next semester Mm -hmm. and you have to use those notes that you learned in the previous semester so you can't throw them away. This is your Latin class and not your programming class. I'm just now realizing all my advice was for a programming class. Hmm. (laughs) So uh, my question is, I guess, should I risk not having these notes next year for the pleasure of throwing them away? (sighs) If you digitize them all, I don't know. Will it still feel as satisfying to throw them away? Should I even take the chance? Right. Well... Yeah, okay, you're right. (laughs) Once I'm done with a class, I never go back and look at any of the things that I wrote for it. No, I definitely do. I don't even really look at my notes during the semester. I'm (laughs) not good about that, but I am not the person to ask about keeping notes because most of mine are that initial memory retention of writing a thing down and then not really it's it's just a place for me to use that memory retention technique and then if i'm really panicking about something i can flip through but usually my notes are so bad anyway that i can't parse them out so i guess my question is do the things that you put in your notebook are they available online no well sort of but not really okay so i'm i'm specifically talking about my latin class and For whatever reason, the way they teach Latin in any online or written media just does not mesh with my brain. Okay. So I have to 
I have to do the like kindergarten learning how to read thing with it. So I okay the this sentence I have to translate English into English in my Latin class. Does that make sense? I I'm trying to I translate it into a, a way I can understand it. Okay. So you're no, maybe it doesn't. Are you trying to get an English sentence into another sentence you know all of the words for in Latin? No. I am so they're teaching like uh well, I have my Latin notes here. Let's see. Like just in general, like what is a participle? They start explaining it in the book, and the way they're explaining it doesn't make any sense to me. So I have to go sentence by sentence and change it into a way I can understand it. When you're studying, you need to translate English to English. Because academic writing is weird and obfuscatory. Yes. So that's that's mostly what my notes are for this class, which it's um, Mm. like... The uh, textbook according to Stephen. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, then it sounds like a really good thing to hang on to. Yeah. All right. Well, and just remember at the start of next semester, hey, if I haven't looked at my Latin two notes in forever that I then you can then you can get done with the midterm and be like, all right, well, I'm halfway through this semester and I haven't looked at these notes so I can have a ceremonial mid semester burning of last semester stuff. (laughs) Sounds good. I really need to buy a paper shredder. It sounds awesome. I am going to link <laughs> to a paper shredder in the show notes, and it, it turns it into confetti, Zach. It's awesome. Ooh. Like, it, what, don't all paper shredders turn it into confetti? What's the difference with this one? This uh, very small confetti. Like, it goes like a centimeter, cuts it on the on the horizontal axis as well. It goes another centimeter, cuts it again. Okay. So you have like centimeter squares of the paper you had okay much harder to put back together than the strips yeah so it's not for party purposes that you want this confetti (laughs) shredder no i want the the finalness of it and i don't have a fireplace or a good way to burn things um zigzag i feel like someone has to have done some sort of study on what's the best way to shred something so that it can't be put back together probably but amazon basics doesn't have one of those Dang. They only have the, the, it's called micro cut, where it's just, you're getting closer and closer to paper dust. Mm -hmm. Make sure also that it has, I've really only ever worked with one shredder in my life. I'm a shredder monogamist, I guess. (laughs) And that was a bad shredder. It was not the best shredder. I was about to say the best shredder I've seen, but I haven't seen any other shredders, so that's a bad way to phrase it. It was just a bad shredder. You could put um, like eight sheets through at a time, but if you did that for like four or five goes, the whole thing would overheat and shut down until you set an ice pack on top of it. <laughs> like turn on a podcast and make a day out of shredding and waiting for the thing to cool down and shredding and putting on an ice pack and waiting for it to cool down and you go get a drink and then you come back and... <laughs> It just kicked back in, in gear. All right. So m- make sure you get one that has uh, better heat resistance or heat dissipation. Get a water-cooled shredder. That is probably not the worst idea. Because I can definitely imagine with all those cuts, it getting hot pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And it's just a big, powerful motor in right. there. Yeah. Turning all of the sharp bits. What does the wire cutter say is the best shredder? That's usually where I get my 
purchasing advice from. The best paper shredders. Reviews by wire cutter. Okay, yeah, it says the Amazon Basics one. Not the micro cut, the cross cut. Wow. So it has like, it still cuts it on the horizontal axis, but a lot less frequently. Mm-hmm. It can cut paper or 12 sheets of paper at a time, CDs and credit cards. At the time of publishing, oh. the price was $50. I won't get that satisfaction of a shredder because I have um, digital notes. But if I wanted to, I probably could develop a uh, an application that you drag a file to. It permanently deletes it and like writes over that file location in the hard drive a bunch of times and just shows an animation of a shredder and plays through your headphones. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, but if I wanted to do that, I'd need to like writing directly to the hard drive a whole bunch of times is uh, a pretty low level thing. Just uh, permanently deleting something. I don't think you can do with just like basic permissions. Well, just find an exploit in the Microsoft kernel and do it from there. Yeah. So, you know, either I would need to find an exploit or I would need to uh, find out about the low level Windows APIs. And I could probably do either of those at Microsoft Build, which is their conference on uh, Windows and other things that they're up to. All right. So what happened there? I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, that's because nothing all that big happened. (laughs) Um, The Amazon Assistant and um, the Windows Assistant Cortana are now working together. And their demo of this, so it was so obvious how bad voice assistants are and especially those two like uh google's voice assistant has gotten better that you can say the wake word and just keep talking especially on their dedicated devices Mm -hmm. but they had their cortana speaker there and they were talking to it and they would say something then they would wait a few seconds up on stage and then it would blink, and then they would say their command and then wait a few seconds and then it would process and then it would respond and this happened so much oh man so very very much up on the stage while they were giving their big oh and look now these two great technologies are working together it, man i that's how it's it, it's strange because that's how voice assistants has have always been right since like siri first came out on the iphone 4s it's always been like mm-hmm. press the button wait a second then talk and the mm-hmm. fact that we haven't gotten better at this is ridiculous. It's yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's the most major barrier to this thing actually being useful is the speed at which you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like if it's actually faster for me to pull out my phone and press pause <laughs> on my music, I'm going to do that over saying, uh, hey, dingus, pause the music. But because that's what I would actually want to do. But mm. what actually ends up happening is, hey, dingus, pause the music. <laughs> uh, other big important things that Microsoft announced, uh, the HoloLens is just getting incremental updates. It's already old technology getting incremental updates. I don't know how that happened. Um, the HoloLens is their uh, on-the-face augmented reality device. So it's a little screen that goes in front of your eyes. It... It's not, like, released, though, right? It's not a product. 
I think you can go get it. You might only be able to get developer versions. I'm not sure. Either way, like, how are they making incremental updates if this is not a thing that I can buy? They just added a few things. They added some, I don't know, it was like a 3D canvas layout. And, uh, you know, in their um, initial promotional video, they had a person working on something and they had a plumber up in the corner of their vision helping them out with it because the person could see what the camera could see on their glasses. Mm -hmm. And they finally just actually added that to HoloLens. (laughs) Do you still have to wear a backpack of a computer? No, it, no, I think it all fits. The ba- the battery isn't great, but the whole of the technology fits in the band that you put on your head. I haven't been convinced of AR's usefulness yet, so we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the coolest uh, thing I've seen with AR so far has been uh, in PCalc for iOS. You mm-hmm. can, if you have the right phone, you can have a... You can project a, not project, but uh, AR, a digital calculator onto your desk via your phone camera. (laughs) That is the most useful thing. And then you just have to hit the buttons where they are on your desk. I think you just still have to tap it on the phone, but I'm not entirely sure because my phone does not support AR. All right. That sounds like a killer app right there, I guess. Well, Can you think of a more useful one? That currently exists? No, I can't. See, yeah. It, I, it, it, I don't know. I am not... I, I'm sure if it was good, it'd be cool, but it's not good, so it's not cool. It's trying. It's I'm... doing its best. <laughs> Another thing that they announced at Build is now you can put AI into your drones. Oh, good. If you've got... It, yeah, this is, this is exactly what all of the science fiction does not warn us about. Um, if you've got a DJI drone, you can load an AI model onto the fancier ones. And on the less fancier ones, it will stream data back to servers somewhere and then react based on that. So what is the AI doing? Uh, so they've got already in the DJI things, things like follow or circle around a point, And you can basically build your own for that, like go to the nearest dog or whatever. Oh. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Okay. They showed one of a camera flying over a uh, a rooftop and looking at like roof vents to see which of the vents was damaged. Okay. Typically, you would put AI on a thing to try to automate that thing. But... Yeah. So that still seems like there has to be a human involved somewhere, unless you have a fleet of robots looking for broken vents i'm not sure i i didn't actually watch the whole talk okay i watched bits here and there and i uh, good point i just uh that's uh i personally believe that that is a bad idea and we should not do that for purposes <laughs> that are not very specific i also don't think there's too much trouble you can get into with a dji phantom I think there is. I think that uh, our current state of artificial intelligence is not good enough to fly a drone as well as a human can. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what it's there for, but it is now available <laughs> if you want to. All right. 
Um, and then probably actually one of the most useful things, in my opinion, is, you know how when you're in a meeting with people and you say, hey, let's do this thing, and you're going to do that thing, and you're going to do that thing, then everybody leaves, and 20 minutes later, you all email each other and are like, okay, who was doing which thing? Yes. They now have a tool to transcribe your meeting and make actionable tasks out of the discussion. Okay, cool. So like, I think it's called Meeting Room. Okay, yeah, so they're parsing a, a dragon dictate of the meeting. Basically, yeah. Cool. That's useful. Or yeah. it has the potential to be, at least. Mm-hmm. I can see how it would be useful. Yeah. That. <laughs> Unlike the previous couple things that we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but isn't it so great that now you can talk to the Amazon voice assistant while on your Microsoft voice assistant? Isn't that so useful? <laughs> oh my god. They perform such separate tasks. Depending on how good Cortana is, I've never really used uh, it. Not good. Then maybe that would be, might be useful because you can use uh, the Amazon one over the Microsoft one. If Microsoft is giving you a, a way to replace the one that is worse. I think you still need to say... Hey, Cortana, can I talk to the Amazon one? Oh, my God. Which is another big problem in voice assistants is that there's namespace issues. If you just want to start giving commands and have whatever it is respond. Reminds me of a funny problem with the HomePod with uh, okay. Apple's um, Apple cylinder. Mm-hmm. They It has the best uh, uh, microphone and speakers out of any apple device so when you say hey dingus in your house the home pot they'll your devices will mm-hmm. negotiate and say okay who has the best speaker and the home pod will win but the home pod is severely limited in its um in its siri capabilities oh god can't set reminders or anything like that so if you're like in your house and you say hey dingus set a timer for three hours it'll your home pod will light up and say sorry i can't do that even though any other device in your (laughs) in your fleet can oh my god i didn't know about that that's horrible it's really a problem let's move on to google io because microsoft is making me upset fair Not that Google I.O. is making me any less upset. I, I should point that out. Really? It made me less upset than Microsoft Build. At okay, least. you're right. I, From what I've heard about Microsoft Build. I liked Build, Google I.O. more than Microsoft Build. I didn't watch either of them, so I can't give you like a good review, but... From what little discussion I've heard of either Google I.O. is making me slightly less upset than Microsoft. Did you... Uh, how much info do you have about Google I.O.? I know like three things. Okay, I'm going to try and run through this in chronological order, so jump in when you have a thing to say. Okay. Or if I'm taking too long on a thing that people who aren't Android developers don't care about. (laughs) Uh, We're going to start right off with their little introduction thing, uh, which was these little cubes, and the cubes lit up different colors, and then, oh look, these three cubes lit up red, green, and blue. And then they went to three other red, green, and blue cubes, and then it, like, zoomed out, and you were looking at a screen. Oh my gosh. Um, and that was weird, I suppose. 
So now, now these cubes are pixels. Cool. But then they zoomed back in and were like following along with other stuff. And oh, look, these cubes are now acting as stoplights so the cars can work or something. And then one of the cubes got hit or it fell over or something and it died. And so there was one dark cube in this big sea of lit up cubes and all the cubes around it just like hugged it until it turned back on. And that's not how dead pixels work. (laughs) Maybe in the world of AI, though, Zach what well what if each cube was a little uh, ai thing and they actually had feelings and the power of love could bring it back to life oh okay so it's yeah it's a tiny okay, little so ai pixel ai pixels yeah a hmm what's the word for that because like a volumetric pixel a three-dimensional cubic pixel is a voxel okay so a three-dimensional ai pixel is a pixel pixel yes pixel okay pixel or i guess if it's 3d you could call it a oh no then it'd be a vexel vexel yeah with a v yeah okay so so a vexel and that's why it was healed by the power of love yes so then they actually did move on to ai and talked about all of the cool things they're doing with it it has applications in healthcare uh they're using it in gmail for smartville so you can type like my address is and it'll act like text expander and just say do you want me to put in the address here which is a cool feature for that kind of thing um and then and then they brought out this person uh, who was disabled in a wheelchair and they used um their head they had control of their neck and could rock their head back and forth and could type like that and they brought her up to do this big show of how they had added a uh, morse code option for accessibility Hmm. to their keyboard um which is cool no dvorak but also uh (laughs) no i don't i think you can set it dvorak because it's just a digital keyboard (laughs) all right but the interesting thing about the morse code keyboard is that they've already announced this quite a few years ago. On April Fool's Day. Oh, no. On April Fool's Day, uh, 2012. Oh, my God. They introduced Gmail Tap, the Morse code keyboard. (laughs) Oh, no. And they're there like, oh, these two buttons, it simplifies it. It makes your whole life easier. Uh, That video is now unlisted. (laughs) But it's still up on YouTube, and you can watch Google make fun of this product that they later made for accessibility reasons. <laughs> In voice assistant news, uh, Google Assistant now knows how to ignore things. Like when you say, hey, when is the game with the Mets tonight? And they say, oh, well, it's at 3 p.m. Um, they now do quite a few things. One of them is they continue listening after they've responded for a second or two. So they might say, oh, it's 3 p.m. And you can say, who are they playing against or whatever? Mm-hmm. But they can also parse out and understand that you can say, like, I'm excited. Who are they playing against? Oh, interesting. If there's an, another command in there, which is so funny because I feel like that's the thing that Siri does very poorly. In my head, Siri is the worst at that. The, uh, no, my... Actually, I think that Siri might be the best at that. It, she ignores what I say all the time. I say, set a timer <laughs> for three hours. And she says, would you like me to search the web for three hours? 
I think Siri is very good at ignoring me. <laughs> they also have uh, new voices that can ignore things you say, like John Legend. John Legend, huh? Yeah. This sounds like another April he Fool's does... joke. No, it's legit. They like brought John Legend in, um, but they are using some new AI WaveNet thing that means they can synthesize voices more naturally from fewer recordings. So like the original Siri recording was like a billion different chunks of audio that this one woman went and recorded, mm-hmm. and then they spliced them together as the phonetics need. But now you can just say like, basically the verbal equivalent of the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog mm-hmm. that just gets all of the different phonetic bits in there and then their ai can pick it apart and put it back together however they need so instead of spending years in a studio recording you can spend days yeah all right that's pretty cool and closer and closer to our lyrebird ai mm-hmm. yeah i suppose now you could just have john legend say whatever you wanted him to mm-hmm. And record a podcast with John Legend. Yeah, except John Legend would only be able to search the web when you said you were excited or <laughs> you wanted a timer. You could do a cooking podcast. Google Google Assistant does recipes now. You could do a cooking podcast with John Legend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Just with the John Legend voice. Hmm. But it definitely could talk to you or your hairdresser. Yes, this I've heard about. Mm-hmm. This, this is, is fairly Google hard to avoid. Duplex, I think they're calling it. Yes, duplex. Which is, yeah, which is just that uh, now they can use their assistant to call restaurants or hairdressers or whatever and make appointments and that kind of thing for you. So you just say, okay, Google, I need an appointment with my hairdresser. And then they will call your hairdresser and make that appointment because they already know what your calendar looks like because it's on Google Calendar. And you've assuming, I'm assuming you would already put in what your hairdresser was. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Stephen? This is a bad idea. Okay. I am feeling less harsh about it. So what's the... I, I don't feel particularly harsh. I Convince just... me that it's a bad idea. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's what's going to happen. My, my main issue is that the person on the other end of the phone doesn't necessarily know it's a robot. I don't think that's true. That is how it was advertised. Right. But I think since then, everyone has yelled at them, and they've said, whoops, that was a mistake. It's now going to to announce, hi, this is Google Assistant calling for... Okay, that's slightly better. Still, here's what's going to happen. Right, yeah, okay. That was my biggest hesitation, too, was that it... I wanted it to say, hi, I'm a robot, so you could say, override manual interface. Yeah. Uh, my- 3PM works fine. Mm-hmm. There's going to be something that the robot doesn't know. They're going to ask you a question, right? So they're going to answer the phone and be like, hello, this is uh, Jim's hair salon. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you like to make an appointment? And the robot would be like, yes, I would like to make an appointment for 3 p.m. on Sunday. And you'll say, oop, we have someone at that time already. What about uh, 4 p.m. on Sunday? And the robot will be like, sure. And then your hairdresser will be like, um, who would you like as your stylist? Mm-hmm. And the robot's going to be like, I don't know that information. And there's no way for the robot to ask the person who asked for the uh, the appointment. 
I think there could be. I think that it could pop up as a notification. I don't necessarily get all of my notifications all right at the, right at the time it pops up. Right, yeah. It, and then I think if it didn't, it could say, I'm not sure right now. My user is being inattentive. One second, please. <laughs> and then the guy has to sit there until you... Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I see where you're coming from on that and that it wouldn't always be a smooth experience. Listen, I am all about not calling people on the phone i don't like it it's not a good experience because just phone lines are awful however i don't think it's a good Mm -hmm. idea i think there needs to be some sort of intermediate step because currently as far as i'm aware google can't do this with online forms okay i see what you mean like once i uh if google can prove to me that it can do this reliably i might be more more willing to try it Mm mm-hmm but my only experience with personal assistance, uh, virtual assistance, I should say, has been fairly negative. Mm-hmm. There's also no way to check its work. Yeah, that is that is the other thing. Um, something we actually skipped over when we started this discussion of duplex is that it does things like fill pauses with ums or go, hmm, yeah, let me, let me just and then give you the information, which is things that... I think that becomes less relevant now that it's announcing it's a robot. Yeah. What do you think about putting the appointment scheduling half of it entirely out of your mind as much as you can? What do you think about it calling to say, what are your hours this Memorial Day because they aren't always consistent? Because that's another thing that it does is it goes through everywhere. Um, On Google Maps, you usually see hours might change due to holidays Mm -hmm. and... Now it will call and say, hi, I'm from Google Maps. What are your hours today? It's a good idea, but there needs to be a way to adjust a mistake. Okay. So if I call Google, so if Google calls me and I say, our hours for Memorial Day are uh, 12 to 3, Mm -hmm. but it's actually 11 to 3. Mm Mm-hmm. I need to be able to call Google back and say, hey, update this because it's not correct. Okay. Yeah. That is a reasonable expectation. Because I'd be able to do that with a human who called me. Yeah. They also um, did a whole bunch in previous years. It's been, oh, it's the year of whatever, the year of voice interaction or the year of the assistant or the year of increased AI. And this one is... um, Kind of they they focused more and kept bringing around digital well-being, which is just this big overarching concept of your phone is too big in your life. That's what we've heard from a lot of people or from one guy on our team who went on a vacation without his phone. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I wouldn't be making fun of them, Zach. You went through the same thing not a few weeks ago. Okay, but I didn't get up on a stage in front of thousands of developers and talk about the time that my wife locked my phone in a safe when we were on vacation. And after a while, I was uncomfortable at first, but then I was really enjoying myself. (laughs) That's a step further than I've gone. I suppose. Uh, But they are doing some things that I do think I'll use. Um, They are adding a app-based time tracker so you can go into your android settings and see oh you spent 50 minutes on youtube today or whatever it is 
Um, they're starting to add more reminders to take a break. Their example was on YouTube that, Hey, you've been watching YouTube for an hour. Do you want to move at all? Um, can I just say that mm -hmm. I believe that this is, uh, some amount of hysteria. Okay. I don't think you need your phone to remind you that you've been using it for too long and i think it's mostly just going to make you angry at your phone mm -hmm. i think steven that a lot of people are recognizing that this is a problem in their own life and wildly grabbing at solutions and google sees that they might be able to have some sort of solution and it probably isn't a solution it's not going to solve this thing no, it's not. But it seems like it's a thing that came from within Google more than a lot of angry people telling Google to add this stuff. I think it's Google adding it and then telling everyone, hey, we've solved your problem, even though they haven't. Yes, the tech nerds are probably like, yeah, see, we spend too much time on our phones. But I think most people don't spend too much time on their phones. And the correct amount of time to spend on your phone is different for every person and you can't make a default setting for it. Right. And when you are, when Google is going to try this, they're going to mostly get feedback that it's annoying and that they shouldn't have done that, even though it mm -hmm. was what people asked for. And Google should recognize that. It doesn't hurt to give people more options. I'm not sure what the... The people have the default. option to put down their phone. There is nothing, there's no rule that says that you must have your phone in your hand at all times. You're right. But uh, I think CGP Grey makes the point that willpower is a really bad second option to whatever actual thing you could do <laughs> to systematically stop you from doing this thing. Trust me, I agree with that. And if you don't need to think about willpower to get you off of Twitter after 15 minutes, they can just it's not kicking, turn off Twitter. It's not kicking you they off can, of Twitter. It's saying, hey, do you want to get off Twitter now? You've been on there for a long time. Uh, there, there are, I think two ways to do it. There's that apps themselves can put up reminders like YouTube, or you can set your own daily limits on application use. That's a bad idea. Why? Well, I, uh, okay. So from a business perspective, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't think that Twitter, Facebook, and Google are really going to do this. I think they're going to do it half-heartedly in YouTube and then say, we're losing a lot of ad revenue to this, and then pretty much take it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so that's the I first I don't point. think that the <laughs> platforms themselves are going to be doing this for long, but I don't, I don't think it was the wrong decision to add it to the operating system itself. I think if you want to spend less time on Twitter, mm -hmm. making Twitter less enjoyable is not the way to do that. Like, it makes sense, but you're mostly just going to get frustrated with Twitter and then turn it off. Because you want Twitter. Twitter is a, is a thing that you that you want. That's why you're putting a limit on it. Okay. You're feeling dependent on it or whatever. Is that fair? Yeah. And that's never... The way to reduce a, de a dependency or get rid of a dependency is not to mm -hmm. say, well, I'll just have a little bit of heroin. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to do cocaine once this week, and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. 
because you're going to get on Twitter. You're going to spend 15 minutes. It's going to kick you off. And then you're going to say, no, I actually do want Twitter. And then turn that setting off. Okay. So I don't really care that Google is putting this in their their settings, but I think they know dang well that this is not going to work. It's a gesture. Yes. This is a way, this is a marketing ploy for Google and not an actual way to have people spend less time. This is going to work for like 10 people. Mm -hmm. What do you think then about the other thing they added to digital well-being, which is probably my favorite of the digital well-being features they announced, which is now if you have your phone sitting on a table and you flip it upside down so the screen is facing down, it turns off the notification buzzer. Good idea. Because there have been so many times I've been sitting talking with people and my phone buzzes and I look at it and then I flip it upside down. And what I mean is I want my phone to be gone and stop interacting with me. Mm -hmm. And what it has signaled before is just that it's upside down now, but still buzzing. Mm -hmm. So that's actually my favorite feature of the digital well-being ones. I also heard about um, turning your screen black and white after like 9 p.m. or whatever. Yeah, that's wind down mode. I figured you would just tear into that, so I skipped over it. (laughs) Okay, well then I'm not going to tear into it because that is my sentiment. I'm just going to say that. I'm assuming it goes along with everything you've already said. Yes. So Google is basically announcing a bunch of ways that they're going to make your phone more terrible to get you to stop using it. Yes. The better solution, I think, is just to buy a worse phone (laughs) buy one of those like one of the first iterations of the window oh no never mind not the windows phone buy a fire phone (laughs) buy a fire phone android but aggravatingly so buy a fire phone and i guarantee you will use it less just like the cheapest ZTE phone or like whatever Chinese manufacturer that makes something that is barely considered legal android (laughs) exactly no you can load android onto a raspberry pi surround it in legos <laughs> and call it a phone oh steven but if i if i start building that myself i've actually considered this with my e-reader <laughs> with my kindle because like amazon is dumb and annoying and full of drm but the kindle is so easy and it's just a kindle you can't do anything else with it and it would be cool to have a Pi Zero with an e-ink display and whatever, but then there would have to be a debug port somewhere mm-hmm. that I could actually access, and that's not a thing I want to let into my life. All right. So for the same reason, I would not want to have my own phone that I'm configuring. Good point. What else? Anything? Uh, Android P got rid of the home button. It's just a little horizontal bar now. And they made, they specifically announced, we've been working on this for more than a year now. <laughs> just, we like, didn't copy the iPhone. This isn't just an iPhone X thing. <laughs> it's not a direct copy of the iPhone X, even though we've just added notch support. It's not, it's not an iPhone X thing. It's just, it's our own thing. I still find it hilarious that in some of the notched Android phones, you can turn off the notch. Are, are they just screen yes built notches they they don't actually do anything they are there's a screen there and there's no there's no mechanics in the notch it's just there for looks and i think it's hilarious that there's a setting you can turn it off in (laughs) 
That's great. I, I will find that phone. I don't remember exactly which one it is, but it's the most Android thing I've ever heard. It's it's a very specific, like, knockoff, generally Chinese, look like an iPhone, but be an Android phone, Android phone thing. Sounds like you're defending. All right, moving on. Uh, and then the last uh, team that got up was Waymo, which is the Google self-driving car initiative. And... Um, they are driving actual cars in Phoenix, and within the year, uh, you will be able to use it just as a ride-hailing service. Sweet. Um, and then they put up a bunch of little things and their little visualizer of, oh, well, here from a top-down view, you can see what the car is seeing and all of its bounding boxes, and here's the actual camera thing <laughs> feed that it's seeing, and that is such a good marketing tool. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not, it, it wouldn't need to do that to be able to accurately drive. Nope. But it's so nice to see that and to understand, okay, wow, look, that car is so smart it can draw boxes around other cars and around people. <laughs> but they use that to show their AI applications in self-driving um, and into noise filtering, which means that they could show off a car driving in heavy snow. Oh, nice which has been a big insurmountable AI self-driving car problem for a while now. That has been a human problem for a long time as well. And now, a PSA from The Worrying Bugs. You can't be sneezed on if there are no people around. This has been a PSA from The Worrying Bugs. It's accurate. Yeah. Uh, this is one of mine. I, uh, as some of our listeners know, I was sick last time we recorded, and I mm-hmm. I was able to go back and figure out at what instance I was made sick. Someone diseased me. <laughs> they sneezed on okay. me, and it and it was like it, it was because there was a lot of people around, and there was nowhere really to direct the sneeze. Like you can you can sneeze into your arm. But you can't catch all the sneeze sometimes, and I understood it wasn't a big deal, except that I got sick, so mm-hmm. it was a big deal. But I was one of the last people to move out of my dorm, and there was just no one around. So I was thinking that, hey, I can't get sneezed on now, because there are no people here. Speaking of, um, you know, school ending and stuff, how are you feeling about school right now? I've been listening to a lot of Hello Internet recently. With mm-hmm. CGP Gray as a former teacher talking about how little his students remembered from his class. Mm-hmm. And thinking back, I have to agree that if I'm not using it in college right now, I don't remember it as a general statement. Yeah. So it, it brings up the question, why did why did we go to school and why did we learn all these things that we were never going to use? Okay. Because at like, at the end of middle school, we'll say, mm-hmm. while you're not like fully developed human beings, you're socially developed enough to enter a enter a workforce of some sort, a, a situation where you will be expected to not bite your coworkers when you're angry at them. <laughs> okay. Like, we can trust most 8th graders to not bite their peers. Most of them, yeah. So I guess my question is, like, why we did that? 
And and then that bring that question brings up the question, why are we doing it currently? And that question is definitely just to get the piece of paper that says I learned all this stuff, even though maybe that might not be entirely true. Mm-hmm. So why why do we have high school? Is your question? Why do we have high school in its current form? Yeah, because I don't know about you, Zach, but the thing I remember most about high school is how to do less work in high school. Steven, you went to a weird high school the whole time, too. Yeah, but I went to different classes. I knew, like, the system. I knew how it worked. It's not like I was oblivious Mm -hmm. to the traditional style of high school. I think high school still does do things to socialize us more than middle school. Okay, well, then then why, why are we bothering with the education? If this is teenagers should learn how to be friends with each other and not bite each other, then let's call it that. It, why are we bothering with learning physics and chemistry? and Or, or not, not even learning physics and chemistry. We're like half learning it. Mm-hmm. And we're half learning it the first time, not remembering what little we l- learned. But I think there's still... It's almost like a spaced repetition argument that I didn't remember everything I learned in calculus, but the stuff that I learned in calculus class was easier to pick back up when I did the class in college. Okay, then why isn't high school more like more like college where you can have a focus? I think there are some that you do do that. I think maybe Laconia was the exception. I disagree. Because it was so rural. Well, okay, yes, there are bigger high schools. I acknowledge that. But I don't think that I wouldn't say that there's nearly as much of a focus that you get in college okay yeah and it definitely because there are requirements for what this Mm -hmm. what uh your particular state and what your country four years of english and yeah because what the government doesn't do is say hey uh the kids have to be able to not bite each other the kids have to be (laughs) able to uh hold the conversation they have to understand the the emotions of others, whatever it doesn't, whatever the social thing that we're supposed to be learning is, the state doesn't regulate mm-hmm. that. The state regulates. Uh, he has to be able to write a sonnet or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to measure if you can or cannot write a sonnet. Well, that's the other thing, though, Zach, is that if school is about socializing teenagers, the people who do best in school tend to not be so good at the social stuff, at least stereotypically. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So by the standards of the state and the educational uh, board, the people who are doing the best are tend to have the least social standing. I think there is a along with the socializing, there's just a base level of comprehension of the world around us that most people can expect that you can. Sure. But then the standards are too high. Because the standards are, you need to be able to learn this amount of physics, which no one does. You need to be able to uh, understand this part of English, which a lot of people don't. Like, if I went up to someone on the street and asked, how would you use whom in a sentence? You're supposed to learn that in high school. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to learn that in high school like three times. <laughs> yeah, that I was just about to make an argument that maybe you need to know more and repetition would be bad but we already do repetition so that doesn't 
I don't have the answer for you. I'm not just I want to be clear. I'm not saying we should get rid of high schools. I'm not saying they're not useful because I mm-hmm. I did learn a lot in high school. However, it was all about things that I knew I would care about later. Not everyone knows they're going to care about that stuff later. So they're not going to learn it if they're like me at least. I think it's a very bad place to start an argument, assuming that every person on the world is like you, Stephen. That is fair. However, I think you could very easily make that argument, in this case at least. So, I I have a challenge for the listeners. Okay. Think back to high school, and if you can write down what classes you took in high school, that's, that's probably pretty incredible. Now, if you can remember the topics that you covered in those classes, that's write them down. Just just try. Now, if you can remember what those topics were, if you can remember like what the um what what the uh, laws of thermodynamics are, if you can remember what uh I don't know uh Avogadro's number is, and you aren't currently a chemist. Yes, exactly. For most of the listeners. I think this will be a very, very hard thing to do. It is for me, too. I can write down a lot of calculus things because I'm currently studying calculus. I can write down uh, some basic world history, because, but mostly about England because I took some English history classes in college so far. Right now, on your computer, without using any fancy tools, can you just really quick open up for, you, for me all of the files that start with the letters A and X? No. Because your files aren't structured to be recalled by their first letter. Correct. I think that there is information that is in our memories, but not ready to be randomly accessed the way that you're asking everyone to. I don't know that for a fact, I suppose. Then, Zach, what is Avogadro's number? (laughs) That should be a way, like, if I said, Zach, open up uh, your resume... Assuming you have a digital copy of it. Yeah. You could I do. do that. You could go you could go into the specific mm-hmm. folder that it's in. Uh, I think Avogadro's number is a terrible example because I did chemistry online and that was a that was just a bad time for my science education. Okay. Uh, but your point is still there. I still think that there's a background amount of knowledge. And maybe not everyone needs to know Avogadro's number. But for the people who do, it's better that one time in one class somebody mentions, oh, hey, here's what Avogadro's number is, and everyone else can forget it, but the person who will need to know it later has a little spot now in their memory saved for Avogadro's number, and everyone else remembers that things are made of chemicals and carbon is the basis of life. Fine, but that's not how students are taught. They're taught and expected to remember everything. That's what the standards Until of learning the exam. are. Yes. That, that's worse. That's not better. Because we at least tell ourselves that high school is there for children to learn the things. I think you are imagining some populace that thinks that people who learn things in high school remember them forever. What's when the... in fact, no, I... everyone has been in high school. <laughs> but if you go out and say, hey, random stranger, what is school for? They're going to say, oh, learning. Why are you asking me this? You're saying there's a 
disconnect between what everyone has experienced in high school and what everyone says is the reason that high school exists. Yes. Literally everyone has experienced that you don't learn everything. However, we still treat high school like you're supposed to learn everything. Okay. You started this sounding much more like you were on the side of high school should be entirely different and not high school should be marketed differently. Well, I think one of the two has to happen because as it is right now, kids stress out and really, really worry because they're not actually learning any of this because they can't possibly. Mm -hmm. Like we finished reading that book on Feynman, right? And his whole thing is like, you guys aren't learning this because you can't, you're just memorizing it for the test. You can't, you can't actually use any of this stuff. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Why aren't we actually learning stuff? And the reason we actually, and then I realized the reason we actually aren't learning any of this stuff is because there's not enough time. There's not enough, um, teenagers don't have the capacity to learn everything in high school because that's just too tall an order. Okay. So sometimes the best you can do is learn how to use it and not necessarily how it works to the degree that Feynman would want us to. And that it, that's fine because it's been working for a while, but it is definitely not how we think about high schools as a society. Okay. So all of that in mind about how memorizing things for exams is pointless and uh, just trying to convey any information, really, there's no use. Um you had a, a recent attempt at conveying information about your exams, which just, Stephen, why do you even try? Okay, I... That was a... I, I'm confused. It was, that was, it was big and winding. The point was, if we can't convey information and exams are pointless, why do you try to convey information about your exams? That's fun. <laughs> Something to do. Well, the same goes for high school. Come on. That's not true. <laughs> Parts of high school were fun. The part where yeah. I finished all my work and played Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Drama club. That was fun. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I filmed the last week of my school. My schooling. Uh, my, what? I filmed the last week of yeah, the semester. Yeah, your schooling. <laughs> of my semester. And mm-hmm. I edited it into a little vlog and put it on YouTube. Which is not yeah. something I usually do. Yeah. You successfully didn't show your face at all? It was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was a fun thing to do. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't really care if it was good. And Zach hasn't told me it was good yet. So I'm assuming it's not. So I I don't care. That's fine. Because it was fun. Okay. I'm really glad it was fun. I think I have a internal high bar for vlogs. <laughs> it feels like a first vlog but it feels like a good first vlog all right you compared your first vlog to my first vlog streets ahead streets (laughs) ahead all right i'm glad to hear that um yeah i didn't really have like a uh a a thought of how this was going to work i just started filming things Mm -hmm. and i think that is something that i should improve because i i'm doing it a little bit differently than other people seem to um instead of doing it by time i'm going to do it by event yeah so finals is a big long event so it made sense Mm -hmm. to vlog yeah what was 
Was there a particular impetus for it? A thing that kicked you off on doing it for finals as opposed to whatever else it could have been? Um, it was something interesting. I, I guess it was the first thing interesting that happened since I had the thought that I should do a vlog. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we make more. Yeah. So now I think we're going to move on to the book club. Uh, we're reading Phaedrus by Plato. We're reading the uh, one that's translated and interpreted by Alexander Niemans and Paul Woodruff. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Um, and we read up to the introduction. So if you're reading along with us, that'll be just after this, our discussion. Um, but if you're not, then you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy. And I am at not Stephen Barry. And now book club so how are you enjoying the phaedrus um it, it's it's not that bad <laughs> it's not the most exciting book we've read for the book club fair yeah but so far at least i have zoned out reading it less times than i did in ream d wow i i definitely have to focus on it more than the books we've read does mm -hmm. that make sense mm -hmm. um there's some interesting things some things i don't understand some yep. like, um generally like it makes me think we're not gonna have a whole lot to talk about once we get into the meat of this book because right now we just read the introduction where they basically explain what the whole thing is yeah that was i was realizing that too as i was going through so i think what we have to do going forward is talk about once we start reading the actual book we might have to start talking about how this could apply to things that are not philosophy okay like basically manufacture things and use plato to back it up is what i'm thinking but maybe that's a conversation for another thing. things manufacture um take subsets of the things that plato is actually trying to get across and change them into see zach we shouldn't have education we should just get rid of high school entirely plato says gotcha. so okay so soundbite this ancient text yes. into backing up our views. Yes, exactly. I think that will be the best way to go about this, but I, I don't know. We, I haven't actually started reading it. so. Mm -hmm. I think the first confusion was trying to understand what Phaedrus meant, because they were talking about, oh, Phaedrus went to the countryside, and then Socrates went to the countryside, and then they talked, which was confusing because Socrates was a person, and as far as I knew, Phaedrus was the book we're reading. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed that Phaedrus was a person. Okay, I got that after a while. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> I was struggling to figure out how Odysseus fit into all this. As a metaphor. Oh, okay. It, yeah. They mentioned him so infrequently that I was like, is he hiding in the bushes during this conversation? <laughs> What's going on? Mm. Yeah, no, it was a metaphor of... Socrates left his home in this story, much like Odysseus left his home in his story. Gotcha. But then there, all the footnotes like explained the full story of Odysseus. You're right that it was very strange. <laughs> um, getting into a little bit of uh, philosophy and rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, there's a quote here. I'm going to just read the quote. Um, uh, never mind, because I can't pronounce some of these words. 
Epidididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididid
ridiculous. So, yes, so if the soul is a self-moving thing and the principle of motion for everything else, that's a big if, as far as I'm Mm -hmm. concerned. And he also assumes that the principle of motion must be ever-moving. It might make more sense when we're actually reading it and not just this guy's interpretation of it. Okay, yeah. I'm going to look for it because it does not make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. this this whole thing that he was doing with souls pulls at all of the things that I dislike in belief systems, like a class system built directly into it. Oh, mm-hmm. philosophers are all the best, and um, and ones that have determined outcomes, like oh well, if you land on the earth as a soul who has seen more of the beautiful, the hmm, uh, force. That's not the word. Form. If you're a soul who had glimpsed the form of beauty, then you will be a philosopher and you will be better. But if you hadn't glimpsed the form of beauty, then you won't be a philosopher and you'll be Mm -hmm. stuck here for thousands of reincarnation cycles. Yeah, I have several notes that just say, aren't philosophers great? Dash philosophers. So much of this is just like, right here, it says in more words, but it says philosophers are the most sane and perfect human beings. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree. It's ridiculous sometimes. I think my biggest issue is the precisely three cycles. A philosopher will be out of this, whatever, they'll be back up riding their chair. I think numbers in belief systems are kind of always BS. Um, Then I was salty about how no one could understand Plato, even though everyone was saying Plato was so good at... (laughs) Um, rhetoric yep uh and then let me see if i can find the exact line that made me write this down here we go 361 oh yeah the line but even if the speeches are formally connected with one another in these ways the question of their subject still remains unanswered (laughs) is just impossible to parse the first time and I, I don't feel like I am in a position where I can critique fiction, but I've written enough academic writing to know that that line is not, that's something that most of the people, like the people in the honors college who do editing that I've talked to would put a big red line through that sentence. Because <laughs> it's just incomprehensible. Yeah. I ignored those, to be honest. I, I ignored most of the times uh, when they started talking about chronology. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this happened before the whatever it was, the Requiem yep. and after the potato. It does not make any... It just doesn't have any real meaning to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a... Again, I focused more on what I could understand, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, that, here's that, a, that was the right choice i was just salty <laughs> uh there's a line here um at 372 mm-hmm. shame only attaches to composing speeches orally or in written form badly which is it's an, another interesting uh sentiment uh, basically i i took it as don't be ashamed of your views unless you can't argue for them yeah that's, that's a pretty reasonable interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. And 
I think should be extended a little. It's it's nice as a single sentence, but needs some extending to <laughs> hold true. Because if your only argument method is just strawmanning, then you can argue for it, just not well. Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> unless you can't argue for them well. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I've a, I'm not sure about you, Zach, but I've definitely experienced um, getting into in our uh, debate more than an argument mm-hmm. with someone and having them have a better argument than you and you find that you can't defend your position because it's just it, you find it inherent so you end yep. up changing your view most of the times that i did debates were in high school and they were against people trying to claim that uh deer do not experience pain as a reason we should hunt <laughs> Okay, fair enough, but you you didn't so, get, it, like, on your floor, you never got into a, a philosophical argument about uh, the nature of what is true or whatever? We talked about memes a lot more than we talked about what's true. <laughs> okay, that was just my roommate then. <laughs> That's definitely a, a your roommate thing. Speaking of your roommate, I, at some point, uh, realized that this Plato writing about um, these two famous people from Greek history having this battle of wits and words is basically like ancient epic rap battles of history. <laughs> yeah. Why is that speaking of my roommate, though? Um, the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whenever I think of that rap battle, I think of you and your roommate. Um. Yeah, that's pretty funny. It definitely is taking two people <laughs> who never met and making them debate. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to figure out how to say this word, but it's an awesome word. So hold on. Uh, what's the location? I can. Four thirty-one. It, it's the ver ver verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. Ah, yes. That's an awesome word. Very... I love that word. God, let me click on the thing. I don't know about the actual pronunciation, but the word, the meaning of the word is an interesting word. I like it a lot. Verisimilitude. Okay, let's see how Google says it. Verisimilitude. 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 There we go. Uh, The appearance of being true or real is the official definition. Mm -hmm. Basically, believability. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, it's interesting. I, I like it. I don't know why exactly. I like it more than any other synonym, but it, it implies more than believability or uh, credibility does. It, mm-hmm. it, it like implies that it's not actually true. Yeah. Or it, it isn't even relevant if it is true. Exactly. Yeah. Not that it is or isn't, but that it doesn't matter if it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Just word. A good word. I think you could also write, truth has nothing to do with persuasion. Only the appearance of truth does. And it would be easier to read and convey the same thing. Yes, but I would not have learned this awesome word. Right, and then we would have one fewer person in the world using words that other people don't understand. <laughs> okay, but just from a poetic standpoint, this is a good word. Oh yeah, it's, it's a very fun word. Okay. I agree. And I'm not going to um, use it in com- casual conversation, I don't think. Mostly because I can barely pronounce it. Why not, Stephen? It's such a good word. 
You need to, we need to learn the um, phonetic alphabet. There's a interesting argument for, there's two sides to this and I tend to fall on one side. I'm going to let you guess which side actually. Um, Okay. There's an argument to either move language towards uh, the character languages, uh, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, because you can read the symbols that represent ideas much faster. Mm-hmm. Then you can read uh, the the Latin alphabet, the Germanic type of composing words. The other way to the, the Latin other... alphabet plus or minus some characters. Yes. the The other way, the other argument is to move it towards the phonetic alphabet because it there's no ambiguity in pronunciation. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about what what side of that you fall onto, if any, if you. And also, think. what I guess that you fall onto. Yes. My guess is your thinking is that if we're going to add more characters anyway, we might as well add a bunch more so we can make it dense. Meaning the character languages. The, yeah. All right, that is correct. I think we should move in that direction and not towards the phonetic mm. alphabet. I think more information per square inch is good. I, I'm i not sure where I fall on that because my my rallying flag that I literally just waved in your face was <laughs> we need a common alphabet or a common knowledge of words. Right. And having a specific word for the thing it does that a horse does when it's upside down (laughs) goes the opposite direction yes definitely so i think if i want to be internally consistent i should be fighting (laughs) for the phonetic alphabet but your first instinct is towards characters yes because uh, because there is a trade-off to be made that if it takes a whole two sentences to convey what one word means then you use the word. Mm-hmm. But there, where verisimilitude could be replaced with appearance of truth. Right. It makes more sense to use the easier, more approachable terms. I'm conflicted, Stephen. <laughs> I'm less conflicted. I <laughs> I think if we... I don't think it's going to change. I really do not. Mm-hmm. But I think if it was going to, it should go in that direction. Um, Be the change you wish to see, Stephen. No thanks. Drop out of Latin and go do three semesters of Chinese. I I also think that if we're going to make everyone learn the same language, it should be a new language. One that doesn't have so many so much. Are there hi- any so much historical baggage? Are there any constructed languages that use? Character languages that used uh, characters like Chinese? Not that I know of, but I'm sure there is one. Because all of the ones that I know are Esperanto and Lobjan, yeah, which are much closer to how you write English. Probably because they were created by English speakers. Esperanto is pretty heavily based in Spanish as well, I think. Okay, uh, Latin character users. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, listeners, if you have any strong opinions, please write in. I'm really curious to know all the sides of this argument because it's not an argument that gets uh, a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Like the, I've never had this conversation. I've never heard this conversation without 
me being involved i guess like i've I've never heard two people on a podcast discuss it before although i have heard Mm -hmm. that with like what is life and do we have free will that kind of thing that's because you aren't listening to enough linguistics podcasts steven that's a good point uh although i don't think i could possibly listen to a linguistics podcast because i would get upset because they are because they would refuse to pronounce anything even mildly incorrect (laughs) <laughs> and they would have to be very, very careful in everything they did because the linguistics nuts would get on them. Mm. I bet they'd have a really good mouthfeel name. Like their name would yeah. feel good to say. <laughs> very much so. He's talking about how we tend to identify the ideas suited to the old medium and the manner in which the medium communicates them without what is rational. No, with what is rational. Um, which is kind of in the context of speech versus writing versus then TV in a more modern age and probably internet and video or however, Mm -hmm. 3D holograms, whatever thing they feel like. (laughs) Which it's interesting because I've heard that the newest medium is always under attack. Um, XKCD has a good comic about it. Um, I just remembered the big round off point that I wanted to make about the whole thing. Awesome. Uh, which is that I, I think we're obviously going to finish up the book, but I think that it's a very old book. And if all art is just remixing what someone else has done, that someone else has expressed this in a way that I can understand better. And this XKCD comic is a great, uh, great example of that because it is just a bunch of lines through the ages of, oh, well, with all of this writing how are students ever going to learn things oh with all of these books around people aren't talking to each other enough with all these newspapers they aren't reading long-form content as much and just that constant that the new thing is bad but even with all of that i suppose i should admit that i hadn't heard the we are we give more credence to the ideas that grew up in the old medium that the kinds of ideas that happen when you're writing sound better to us because we're used to things in writing having more credence right yeah which is the point that they're also trying to make here and then my last note of the introduction um he's talking about um that in these writings because they were for a specific audience and as plato mentions when you write something for a specific audience you tailor it to their truth um and then they say but how are we supposed to know which part is the truth and which is the inflection Mm -hmm. to which my answer is you can't unmix paint right if all we have to go off is what's written then it is just the inflection of truth and that's all we can know if you would like to explain to me how to read academic things or how to write more positive notes about the content and not the writing (laughs) the the meta writing i would love to hear that um and you can write me about that on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy. And if you want to tell me your tainted version of the truth, you can get in touch with me. I'm at not Stephen Barry. Or you can go to stephenberry.rocks. It has recently been redesigned. And yeah, there's other ways to contact me there. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.